Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Five Star Podcast, a movie podcast from two guys just looking for some ranching work in Montana and are sometimes watching movies. I'm Ryan Hurdling, and I'm here with my esteemed co-host. Wait, 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 wait. Sam Wolf Cool's here with a question. Wasn't Brokeback Mountain in Wyoming? Was it? I can't remember. <laughs> I thought it was in Wyoming. You know what? That's okay. It's cl- they're all the same state the it's, way I see it. Exactly. Same. I have, I've never been, truth be told, I've never been to any of them. So I, I've been told many times by my friend I need to get to uh, Montana before the Glacier National Park melts. <laughs> you might not have too much time to go. I may not. <laughs> I may not. You'll, uh, you'll, you won't be taking the uh, herd of sheep, though, while you're up there. It'll just be a nice trip to the National Park. <laughs> maybe i'll maybe i'll meet someone at the national park <laughs> if uh if everybody can't tell by now we are getting ready to do the 2006 oscar ceremony for the year 2005 in movies um which includes the film Brokeback mountain which we will Ooh. be getting to eventually um but first what have you been watching lately wolf i've been watching just so much lately which is pretty typical but the two I want to highlight, uh, I got a, a three I want to highlight, but two main ones is uh, I watched an education, which allowed me to finish off seeing every movie nominated for Best Picture that came out in 09 and was honored in 2010. It was a really, really great little movie uh, and uh, star Carrie Mulligan. And I feel like at some point we'll have to have a Carrie Mulligan conversation where basically she's only good in movies no one sees. <laughs> I'm I'm down to to, to do have that. I mean, I I haven't seen an education, but I really like her in um, Inside Lewin Davis yes. as well. I and like her obviously that. Drive. <laughs> she like I I feel like she just plays the worst written female roles that exist in Hollywood. Between that and you know Daisy Gatsby, which is already kind of yeah. questionable when F. Scott wrote the book. Yeah. And Baz Luhrmann does nothing to like help her out in that I movie. Hate that movie, I really hate. That yeah, movie. I really, really hate that movie. The first, I, I don't even want to. I'm not going to get going. And then, <laughs> uh, the other movie I watched, I wanted to highlight is Your Next, which is a 2011 horror movie. Uh, that like that's in that mumble gore drama that's uh that exists, and it has some some uh legends of the game in it with AJ Bowen who that man just loves getting his shit rocked in horror movies <laughs> between that and the house of the devil. And then uh, satanic panic, which is one of the stupidest movies ever, but you know, you got to love them. And then T.I. West who directed house of the devil as well. And the only thing I had an issue with, with your next was the fact the plot was completely nonsensical. And that's, <laughs> you know, I, I fully grasped that that's the point of it, but uh, you know, I like a little plot and it kind of reminded me of ready or not in a lot of ways. Yeah, definitely. They're definitely very similar. I, I love your next. Uh, I think it's so fun. Like uh, everybody, in, everybody in that set of actors, you can just tell is having like a really good time. Mm-hmm. And like that, I just remember the opening of the movie always like setting a really good tone and then it kind of carrying it really well oh, throughout. As someone who watches way too much horror movies, Maybe the best start to a movie, you got nudity in 0.1 seconds, and then you just get, like, two amazing kills, and you're like, 
like <laughs> as someone who's watched like a million like a ton of 80s horror movies ton of um, i'm just like this guy like he gets what everyone just freaking wants from a horror movie yeah exactly like you're sitting there and you're like oh we're just gonna have fun even yeah. this horror movie it's like like i love a good like psych like a psycho what am i trying to think like a psychological horror like i love one that you sit there and like sit with you but sometimes you just want like an, an homage to an 80s just like slasher exactly yeah yeah especially with like the new the newer like slasher stuff where it's like okay i've seen like a lot of what slasher movies can do i just want to have fun with them now you know 100 percent, 100 percent. what have you been watching this week um i've been watching a lot of stuff for the show um both for this episode and and stuff to come um in there, though, my, my roommate, one day I came down and he was just watching Terminator 2, Judgment Day, mm. which is a really great movie. And I was like, oh, awesome. Here we go. I love this movie. Uh, Arnold is, is awesome in it. Um, Linda Hamilton is great uh, as Sarah Connor. Like, just such a great action movie. It holds up really well, too. I fa- I've never seen it, but I found a Blu-ray double feature from... Half price books with it's Terminator Two and Total Recall. Ooh, oh, that's really fun. That's a really fun double feature. I'll have to pick a day and just crush them. <laughs> Total Recall definitely like has aged well too because it's uh like got this very like winking sense of humor throughout the whole thing, which is really funny. I love it. I, uh, I I like I think Arnold's a little better actor than some of those action stars. Like yesterday, I don't know why I watched this. I watched Judge Dredd, which is just like comic book adaptation with Slash Stallone, and it's oh, yeah. it's it's uh, and Rob Schneider. Oh my God! Yes, it is. Uh, it's amazing to see where comic book movies have come since then, where it just kind of felt like this like vast land of nobody really knowing how to adapt a comic book. That movie is horrible. Like the <laughs> the newer Dread is a lot better, uh, but mm. that one, like that one, I, I, the thing I remember the most about it is like they cut to like a scene where they, I think they're like flying or they're driving or something, and it like genuinely looks like an '80s or '90s video game, and I was like, oh my god, this is horrible. <laughs> I commented, I, I was watching it at home, and my parents, my mom and dad were like doing their thing. And I just had to, like, deal with me watching this movie. And I kept commenting. I was like, this looks worse than Blade Runner. And Blade Runner came out 15 years before this. Like, yeah, you're sitting there like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> I got a quick question for you. Oh, yeah, let's hear it. So give me, you know, any number, but one or two actors and actresses that, you know, they're in a lot of stuff you've seen. And... You know, you'll watch their stuff, but, like, you don't necessarily think highly of them, even though to, like, I would say the majority, they're pretty well liked. So I have, like, the first two people that came to mind were, like, actors that I I, I like them in the movies, but their movies are generally not great. Mm-hmm. Like, the first one to me was Joel Edgerton, who, oh. I, ironic that we brought up Great Gatsby beforehand, because... <laughs> That's not a very good movie, and he's, like, the best part in it. And then, like, he'll have some, like, minor successes, like like The Gift, I think, was a good movie. But then, like, you know, like, you'll also see him in movies like Bright. And I'm, I'm just like, 
if he's in a movie, there's no guarantee of it like actually being good. But I do like him at least. <laughs> have you ever seen It Comes at Night? I have. I like that yeah. movie too. He's pretty. Uh, he's pretty good in that. I think. Yeah, that movie is like a little bit. It's like well done, but it's also sort of disappointing because mm-hmm. you're like you're like thinking it. There's going to be something. Not to spoil too much, but like you're thinking that there's going to be something that like just anything that's going to happen in the yeah, movie. Exactly. Like, it's all tension with no payoff. It's really disappointing. Like, people's reviews of that movie were, like, maybe, like, the best tour, blah, blah, blah. And I sat there with my girlfriend who, you know, she if she doesn't like a movie, she's she has no qualms, like, pretending to like it. And she just fell asleep. She's like, this is boring. I'm, like... And I, I like, sat there and I was like, oh, like, I get what it did, but, like, three and a half out of five, this is nothing special. Yeah, yeah exactly. Where it's, like, it's, like, maybe if, like... A, there was a couple more plot points boosted up and like a couple of things happened at the end. This would be a really cool movie, but yep. like we just, they're just chilling the whole time. Like yep. anybody <laughs> um, else. So the other person that I was thinking of, uh, I think he just had a, a series come out on, on the Peacock, which has not been very well reviewed. <laughs> um, but Alden Ehrenreich, who's. Oh, that's yeah. a good one. I like him. And I really like, yeah. I really liked him in Hail Caesar, and it seems yeah. like he's done since then has been good. <laughs> I uh, I'm a known not liker of Star Wars, but I I actually like Solo. Really, you're a big Solo yeah. guy? I'm not a big Solo, not guy, a big, but I liked Solo. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was there's like Solo just kind of like I don't know it it didn't I don't hate it and I don't like I don't love it either if that makes sense. You know, reflecting on it, I don't fully understand why it exists. Yeah, same. <laughs> but, like, in the moment, watching it, I was like, you know, like, this is fine. Did I? Oh, that's a different solo. I'm trying to make sure I've rated it. <laughs> <laughs> Got to make sure you're rating the right solo. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're, not, you're not kidding. I, I do like uh, Aaron Reich and Donald Glover in that movie. Yes, and I love that- Chewie. Yes, definitely. Those are my favorite parts of the oh, movie, God. though. Woody, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Amelia Clark, Paul Bettany. Yeah, a fascinating cast. I forgot <laughs> about this. It's really strange to think of, like that. I think that movie just kind of got like overshadowed by all of the. Yeah, exactly. Like all of the like production issues, and then people just. I think people just thought it was going to be doomed from the start. And it's Star Wars, and those fans, you know, they need perfection of what they want yeah. more so than what maybe the series needs. Uh, they need the football to be kicked through a moving goalpost, yes. basically. Yeah. That's, if that's possible. Who uh, came to your mind when uh, you found this question? So I think to answer the question of, like, who's someone who's, like, movies I typically like but not necessarily their involvement, I have like trouble with a lot of comedies because a lot of comedy that's in movies just like isn't what I find funny. Mm-hmm. So like I've never been like an overwhelming like Will Ferrell or like Vince Vaughn guy, but like I'm the same person who will tell you I like old school. So it's like I just don't think they're funny, and I feel like they fall into movies that like secretly have like very good plots. And maybe it's just like my maybe like it's not me fully getting it like their comedy, but like Vince Vaughn, I'm just like. 
I think I just watched the breakup and hated it so much that I've never been able to get past Vince Vaughn. There is definitely a thing there too, where with those guys' biggest hits, you see like uh, there's like a a group of either like writers or like a couple directors that they work with really well. And then I think everybody attributes how funny they are to just them. And then they don't have, they have like diminishing returns later on because they're not working with like as funny people, Mm -hmm. you know, like Will Ferrell, his best movies are, are like the stuff he did with Adam McKay who like everybody knows is a genius now because he did the big short, but like at the time people were not really like, People are just like, oh, it's Will Ferrell. He's funny, you know? But, like, all those comedies, like, you always love to read the trivia where, like, oh, JK, they wrote the script. They just riffed the whole time. And it's like, did they? I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, like, so, like, a good example of, of, I think, what you're talking about with them, where it's, like, they're in, is, so, like, Will Ferrell does, like, Step Brothers, but then, or 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 the other guys, or Anchorman, but then, like, in that same time period, he does semi-pro, which has like two good jokes, you know. I don't like semi-pro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it, it's like an enjoyable enough movie, but like it's just not that funny. Uh, so like they don't they don't necessarily they're maybe a little overrated, I would say. The one and then the the one there's an actress that like I really like, but I think she just makes awful movies, and that's Amanda Seyfried. I love yeah. her, and I think she's super talented, and I think she like, like she's like she's beautiful, like she's a good actress, like there's like she has like, I don't know what like, I don't like I don't think she's Amy Adams, but like I feel like there's kind of like a there's a place for her as like a supporting role in like good movies, but mm-hmm. like she just loves to be like the star of awful movies. Yeah, yeah, I don't really understand like, I just don't understand like the projects that she takes. <laughs> Like she could have been Rachel McAdams and she decided not to be. That's definitely, yeah, she definitely could have had like a similar career for sure. Want to get going on the uh, Academy Awards? Sure, let's do it. As uh, we mentioned before, it's the 2006 ceremony, the year 2005 in movies. Our nominees in no particular order are Good Night and Good Luck, Um, Crash, which was the eventual winner, Capote, um, Brokeback Mountain, and Munich. Um, so let's just get right into our list. Uh, number five here, the film that we're putting at number five, I think is probably no surprise to anybody that has been listening to this podcast in the lead up. Uh, and this is, this is Crash, uh, the eventual Best Picture winner. <laughs> Not a good sign to, to have be admitting when you hear the mention of this movie, Wolf. <laughs> uh, not a great start for us. Do you have uh, do you have any thoughts on Crash potentially? Oh boy, oh boy, <laughs> do I have some thoughts. So, I uh, I knew that I didn't like this movie uh, very much, and then this time around, like watching it, I think I realized that I. I really hate this movie and it's one of my least favorite movies ever because <laughs> it's just so like, it's so self-effacing and it thinks it's like, it thinks it's so much smarter than it is. And it thinks it's like addressing, addressing race in like a smart way, which it's not. And it thinks it's like solving racism 
uh, <laughs> like I genuinely kind of think the movie thinks it does that <laughs> in a certain way. And it just has like, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I don't have any, I, I no, go, go, go ahead. Um, and so like, I also think it's just trying to be like, I think I mentioned this on, on the podcast before it's trying to be like traffic, but except about race and, but they're not doing it in like a way where they're thinking about the decisions they're making. So like, they're just getting a huge ensemble cast just to have the cast. And then you look at, look at them all together and you're like, this is a really weird cast. Like Ryan Phillippe, Brendan fucking Frazier, Ludacris is in this, you know, you're like, Matt Dillon is in this. You're like, what is going on? And Brendan Fraser truly has nothing to do in this movie too. And he just feels so miscast. Um, Sandra Bullock probably turning in her most cringeworthy performance other than the blind side in this movie. Like (laughs) her whole storyline is just so like, every time she's on screen, I'm like, and, and like, so I'll guess I'll just get back to like the broad stokes of just, I hate that it's trying to be inclusive and woke but that it just reduces everybody down to a racial stereotype, which is accomplishing the opposite effect of what they're trying to do. And then to like make it worse is like every scene is just one racial stereotype, like screaming at another racial stereotype. So it's like Michael Pena screaming at the like Middle Eastern uh, store owner. And it's just like the movie's like, maybe the Latino community needs to listen to the Middle Eastern community and vice versa. And it's like, people don't, or, or like Matt Dillon hearing the name of the woman who is attending to his dad at the hospital. And he's like, oh, Shaniqua Johnson, real great. And it's like, that's not, yeah, it's not <laughs> always how racism bubbles up. Like if, if, if racism only like was embodied by people screaming at each other, it would be easy to defeat racism, but it's, it, that's not. And then also, like, if you really think about the movie, um, it, like, puts inclusive or woke dialogue into the movie, but then it has, like, racist plot points. So, like, there's the whole beginning where Ludacris is talking about, like, they're in Beverly Hills, and he's like, we're in more danger here than any of these other white people, yet all the white people are afraid of me. And then he turns around and he fucking carjacks them. And it's like, well, geez, what, what am I supposed to follow here, the actions or the dialogue? Or... Um, there's the woman being like harassed by the police, Terrence Howard's wife in the movie. And like, she hates them and she has every right to hate them. But then the movie tries and like uh, the movie tries and acts like, no, she shouldn't hate the police, but just because she gets in a car crash and then Matt Dillon saves her. And it's like, no, even though he saved her, like he still, he still sexually harassed her. (laughs) Like she should still hate him. And so like, it's just all these things about this movie make me fucking hate it. Rant over. Okay, sorry. You know, I don't. I I broke. I broke my rule with this movie. Where normally, if I'd seen it within quarantine, I don't rewatch it. This movie I saw before quarantine, February twenty eighth. <laughs> fun fact. But I was like, I was like, you know, I don't remember liking anything about this movie at all. Why would I ever <laughs> want to rewatch this movie? So. I just remember, like, how it handled race. And I was like, you know, the best films about race are, like, very nuanced and aren't necessarily, like, about Mm -hmm. race. They're just, like, 
you know, he's kind of embedded yeah. in the movie. And this was just so like, like on the nose where like the hate you give, which came out like a couple years ago, it's like a little on the nose, like a little on the nose, but that's like leaps and bounds, like 16 times more new. Definitely and crash. And like something like, you know, so like in, in recent years, we've had more movies, like, I guess address this head on like the hate you give and queen and slim, but like, those are also from like the, the like black or African American. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a different Whereas perspective. This, it's like, for sure. It just falls, it falls very nicely into that category with like, like driving Miss Daisy where it, you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, it's like white people God. trying to like explain away racism. And uh, I've, I very vividly, so I took a race on film class in, in school. And um, I remember at like the end of our, our quarter, we watched this movie and it was supposed to be basically be like a conversation where um, everybody in the class was supposed to have learned like what these stereotypes are and how they're bad and how like even a movie like this that has good intentions is not like a good uh, show of like race on film. And I was really shocked because like it was like half and half, like half the class hated this movie, half the class really liked the movie. And I just remember like arguing so hard with a few people. And I was just like, it's just like, it's ridiculous that a movie like this that is like trying to be inclusive and like trying to be uh, I, I like woke is, is doing such a worse job than something that doesn't necessarily uh, confront this head on, like Get Out. Like Get Out is trying to be like a scary movie first, you know? Movie. But it's also got the things about race in there, and yet somehow Get Out uh, is uh, like a way more effective uh, portrayal of all of this. It's it's so frustrating to watch this movie. <laughs> it's wild that Get Out and Crash are like the same media. Seriously, like they're just coming from two <laughs> completely different like schools of thought. It, it's it's fascinating. It's fascinating. I, I, uh, you reminded me that Ludacris spends a lot of time monologuing. I think uh, the more lines of dialogue Ludacris has in a movie is it's never a good sign. Ludacris is not a very good actor. <laughs> you know, I, I agree. Do you have any, no, you have any more thoughts? Let's, um, Crash? let's finish talking about this movie and then toss it into a dumpster fire. <laughs> uh, this movie had six nominations, three wins. Um, one win that I want to highlight here is its best original screenplay win. Uh, the screenplay was written by the director, and um, I'm going to look up this fellow's name here that we wrote it with him, Bobby Moresco, and Paul Haggis wrote it. Uh, the other nominees were Good Night and Good Luck with George Clooney and his writing partner Grant Heslov, uh, Match Point from Woody Allen, uh, The Squid and the Whale, by Noah Baumbach, and then Syriana, uh, written and directed by the director of Doolittle, Stephen Gagan. <laughs> um, wow. God, any of these other movies could have won this category, and it would have been so much better. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think uh, Jack Nicholson said it best when he announced Crash for Best Picture. <laughs> wow. wow, indeed. Let's 
No, I should. I, I definitely have to. He like, he like opens the envelope, like looks at it, and then he goes, the Oscar goes to crash. And then he just goes, and then he just mouths, <laughs> wow. I, I wonder if Jack Nicholson hated this movie. <laughs> I, you know, I bet Jack I, Nicholson despised the movie. Because I feel like if anyone has, I would hope so. I hope, I hope it doesn't come out like a year from now that Jack Nicholson is like my favorite movie in the in the twenty first century is Crash. <laughs> nothing, nothing I've been in. Just the yeah. movie that I got to announce the award for. <laughs> on, on wow. <laughs> well, wow. Let's move on to our number four, shall we? Let's. Cleanse our palate of Crash. Our number four is Capote. 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 Based on Truman S. Capote. Oh, I don't know how to pronounce it. I, I literally have no way. I've been saying Capote. I've been saying <laughs> it both ways for the last week. Capote. Based on Truman Capote's writing of the book in Cold Blood. Yeah, there you go. I remember that. This is a mostly unmemorable movie that acted as a vehicle for Philip Seymour Hoffman to win a much-deserved Oscar. A very, very good performance from him. A very good performance from him. A very good performance from an underutilized mm-hmm. Catherine Keener, I think. Uh, you know, the movie has a nice focus on Capote as he, like, basically, like, you see his personal life kind of, like, go away as he writes this book in Cold Blood and it's a movie that, you know, it, it has plenty of pacing <laughs> issues where it's not a particularly long movie at like under 120 minutes, but it definitely moves kind of slow. But, um, you know, it's like your typical biopic that gets nominated for Best Picture and you just kind of live with it. It's a movie I don't really like hear people mm-hmm. tell me to go back and watch. And at the end of the day, I don't know if it necessarily deserves a nomination, but, you know, it got one of the best actors of his generation an Oscar. And yeah, that, I'm yeah, this was it. like, this was kind of a disappointing movie because I had been, I, I, I had heard great things about Philip Seymour Hoffman in the movie, and he is really, really fantastic. But I had also like heard people talk about how, like, uh, in, in Cold Blood is an interesting book because you see, like, there's a lot of stories of, of, of Truman Capote, like almost falling in love with the like guys that get like mm-hmm. sentenced to death. I just don't really feel like this movie does that story justice. Like it's well done. It's well made, but it's just not like, it just doesn't stand out. I definitely wish we got more, more of Catherine Keener as Harper Lee. Cause I liked, I liked that sort of storyline where it's like Truman's Truman's like, fortunes are almost falling with the writing of the book as, as Harper's is like rising. I thought that was really cool. And they kind of just abandoned it halfway through. Yeah. I mean, I know they have that phone call at the end where like, like Keener's like, Oh, like we're having this party. My book is coming to movie. And honestly, at that point I, I was a little out of the film. Like I was like into it. Like I still like wanted to know how it ended, but I definitely like that mm-hmm. moment kind of missed me. Uh, I definitely liked the film. Like I gave it three and a half out of five. Like I definitely like did things, and I thought, and like you like Philip Seymour Hoffman like was so yeah freaking good. Um, and he has a career full of like great performances. And uh, that's really all I have on Capote. I just think it was. I don't think I'll ever watch it again unless I want to like 
there's other Philip Seymour Hoffman movies. Yeah, exactly. Like, you you really can't like say it enough how good he is in the movie. Like, you can't really take your eyes off of him. But there's just like not no, a no, ton no. going on or around him in the film. <laughs> it has uh, one of my favorite TV actors. It was of the two. Not okay. He's not my favorite, but he keeps showing up at things I watch. Not uh, not the main guy that. Capote was falling in love with uh, the other guy. He uh, he was in an episode of Grey's Anatomy, and he plays the dad of a kid in 13 Reasons Why. And I was like, man, so, he made movies? <laughs> he was in an Oscar It's hilarious movie. that you mentioned him, because as soon as you started that sentence, I was going to mention him too, because he's also in The Big Lebowski. <laughs> you know, like, the guys that break in at the beginning of the movie and are dunking the dude's head in, like, the toilet? And they're like the guys that pee on the rug and things like that. Do you remember this at all? I've only ever seen it when it was on in the background. He, I well, he's in that, what that movie's about. He's in that it's movie on my too. List. Uh, he's he's like oh, the surfer, like like burnout dude too, which is just like cracks me up. Like there's this there's this one part where he's like. <laughs> He's just holding the dude's bowling ball, and he's like, what the fuck is this? And the dude just goes, obviously, you're not a golfer. He just drops it, and it, like, shatters the tile on his floor. He's also in Mulholland. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. That's the – oh, Mulholland Drive. That's also on my – my Netflix DVD queue is full he's, of movies. He's great in Mulholland Drive, too. Like, he just has this scene where he's, like, supposed to kill somebody, and he just makes every mistake under the sun. And, like – it just keeps compounding. It's not really like a, a funny movie per se, but that scene is fucking hilarious. <laughs> and he's great in it. That's the career I want. Just showing up in like good things. Exactly. Just like constant income. Just always working. You know, you're in some good movies. You're in some not good movies, but like you're just always doing something. Well, Absolutely. let's not spend too much more time on this movie since I don't think either of us are quite as enamored with it. Um, it got five nominations, one win. Uh, the one win, predictably, is Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, for Best Actor in a Leading Role. The other nominees are Terrence Howard in Hustle and Flow, not for Crash. Uh, <laughs> Heath Ledger in Brokeback Mountain, uh, Joaquin Phoenix in Walk the Line, um, and David, David Strathairn uh, in Good Night and Good Luck. Uh, this, this is a really good crop of people i feel like in any other year joaquin phoenix probably wins it for this one uh would you want joaquin phoenix to play you in a movie do you think do you think you did well in your life if joaquin is teeing up you know i think if joaquin phoenix played me in a movie it means that i had like a successful career but not a successful personal life probably (laughs) (laughs) I uh, I love David Strathairn in Good Night and Good Luck. I, I, I also especially love him in L.A. Confidential. Yes, he's like, great in that movie. He's, he's like him. one of those actors that just pops up in everything. And you're like, oh, yes, I love this guy. Yes. Like, oh, we're going to have like a very... He's got like a very voice. like epic voice, too, which really helps in Good Night and Good Luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good night. Also, good luck. Heath Ledger's really great in Brokeback Mountain as well. Such oh, a God. such a good nomination. Uh, he uh, 
he was really good. I, I'm excited to get there. But uh, where are so we going next, next is our number three film. Uh, it is Steven Spielberg's uh, very violent film, Munich. What did you think about Munich, Wolf? Uh, I thought, <laughs> not expecting to talk about this. I thought it was like very good, a relatively fast paced, you know, 163 minutes. I had, like, I had a nice time watching it. I think I got, like, a lot out of the film, and I feel like I learned something, which is kind of cool. But my big issue with the movie, and this has been, like, an issue with me with movies a lot, where, like, you have a movie about a certain, like, you know, like, a certain place. And, like, this was about, like, people in Israel going after these Palestinians. And, like, you know, this is dates back to, like, John Wayne West Westerns, where... I just don't like when you don't have someone of like that descent playing the part. Like they had Daniel Craig and Eric Bana playing fricking Jewish, Isra- Jewish Israelians, which is yeah not close at all. Uh, and I think that took, that definitely took like a little bit for me to be like, all right, like this is stupid and this like looks bad. And I don't think anyone would disagree with me on that. So like once I kind of got past that a little bit, I really liked how, like, each... It was, like, an episodic movie where I really liked how, like, each of the, like, kills... Because the whole movie is basically about them going and killing the Palestinians. And I liked how each of the different kills were, like, like a different, like, moment. It was, like, a, they felt, like, different, like, very distinct scenes where, like, you could tell they were, like, getting more and more, like, what the hell are we doing with each scene? And I loved the Jeffrey Rush <laughs> character where, like, he kind of acted as, like, the look, like you're just going to keep killing the guy who like, you're going to keep killing the guy and you're going to kill the next guy. You're going to kill the next guy. And it's like the whole point of the movie is they kind of show you like, it's just going to keep going. This violence is never going to mm-hmm. stop. Yeah, no, definitely. You make, you make some really good points in there. Like uh, for them to cast, not only like, okay, like if you didn't, if you wanted to cast some like stars in the movie, that's okay. You don't have to cast like Jewish Israeli actors, but like, you should at least cast like Jewish American actors. Then Steven Spielberg, actually a Jewish man as well, Steven Spielberg, and uh, instead like he he casts like three of the most conspicuously not Jewish men in the three main roles in like the Hit Squad, and it's like it's like you're that is like really hard to get past in the movie, and I, I would also like to uh, unofficially thank the website. Jew or not Jew.com for helping me uh, figure out if Daniel Craig was Jewish or not. <laughs> he is not Jewish. Is he? He is not Jewish. Uh, that's uh, Daniel Craig loves playing, you know, roles that he of, of, uh, of people he's not. Like he plays an American <laughs> in Laura Croft Tomb Raider. You're wondering. His, his, <laughs> his, his American accent's not very good in that movie, is it? I can't, I can't remember exactly. Uh, no, he's, uh, he's not great in that movie. Do love Angelina Jolie in those movies. I will defend her in those movies and nothing else about those movies. Um, apart from, like, the, just the weird casting of this movie, though, I, I do agree it, like, does a good job of showing the, like, sort of ongoing violence in the situation and, like, how basically both sides, like, devalue human life in, like, the pursuit of what they're trying, you know, in the greater goals and how that just like keeps the violence going. And like, there's some parts that show that really well, 
like just watching the like morale of everybody on the team sort of like degrade over time and then eventually most of them die and then there's other part or, or like the very end with Jeffrey Rush where he's talking with them and like you know you basically realize like the the main character played by Eric Bannon like by the end of the movie even though he accomplished the mission like he can't go back to his home country he can't like talk about what he's done he's just like so disconnected from everything that he did and just so traumatized and like i that's like a really good conversation but then like some of the other stuff when he's in america does not like work very well at all like the like scene where he's screaming during sex is like so cringeworthy in this yeah. movie yeah i don't know like this movie it had some like really like powerful scenes like i love like when they try to kill the guy but his daughter like yes. runs in and like Kieran Hins and uh, and Eric Bann have to like freaking sprint, be like, don't hit the button, don't hit the button, like abort, abort. But then there's also the scene where they go and kill the woman who like who killed Kieran Hins. I think you're close. I don't know how to say his name, it's probably close. And uh, <laughs> and they go and kill her, and like as she, like she knows she's about to get killed, and she starts to like strip to try to make them like mm-hmm. feel bad about it. Which is kind of weird to me. There was a lot of things in that scene that I think were a little broken. Like, they did a really good job of, like, making her, like, slowly try to grab, like, her gun. And then it just kind of seems like at a certain point she, like, yeah. stops trying to get the gun. And then she starts to just take her clothes off. And then she gets killed. And they leave her naked, which was, like, a big thing. And then they, like, kind of talked about it, but, like, it's almost like they, like, acted as, like, that one guy who, like, the, there was, like, that one guy who, like, made the decision to, like, leave her naked, and he was, like, like, that seemed, like, that seemed to be, like, where he knew his downfall had happened, and I was, like, I feel like being involved in a bunch of kills would have, like, maybe have sped up that process for you to realize that your downfall had already happened. But like, you know what? Like, yeah, this wasn't a great thing you did. Yeah. Like it doesn't, least. it doesn't like really make sense in the whole, the whole thing. Like it makes sense the scene where they go and kill her, but it doesn't like really make sense in that part of it. Like, it just feels like it could have gotten taken out, you know, and you would have understood the beat. Uh, oh. One, another good part of this movie though, is like, I thought the first 10 minutes was awesome. Like I was super locked in when you're like watching the whole thing go down and you're watching like the news coverage of everything. I thought that was super interesting. And then sort of like, once we like move on from that and like get into like assembling the team, it kind of slows down a bit. Like this, this movie also like had some like ebbs and flows where there was like some really good parts. And then there was just some like not as good parts and like the, the worst parts like sort of overshadow some of the good parts, sadly. Was that real? I have no idea. Some of it looked real. Some of it looked like fake, but some of it seemed real. I I don't know though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, overall, I I definitely like really, I I liked the movie a lot. I had I had a lot of enjoyment. <laughs> the one thing I will say is, uh, and this just kind of comes with a lot of like movies that took place, you know, fifty plus years ago. Not a great no. look for women in this movie. One one woman exists only to have Eric Banish child, and another woman, the other woman exists to get a guy into bed with her to kill him mm-hmm. and to be naked. And it's like this is not the 
point yeah. of having every women every movie. woman in the movie with like the exclusion of uh the uh Israeli prime minister I think uh like they're all like just characterized by like their relationship to the men in the story and it's I don't know if it's the prime wait, minister wait, wait. the one like wait, wait, wait. the you know how like there's the big meeting in the beginning and then there's like the one woman that works for the government leaves uh, they introduce them to Jeffrey Rush yes. like with the exception of her like everybody else is defined by their like relationship to Eric Bana every other woman I should say <laughs> I I thought you were talking about the oh, man no. who dresses in drag and I no, was like no. that's not a woman <laughs> <laughs> sorry I, I got confusing <laughs> that's on me that's my fault for not knowing anyone yeah no ever. this uh, also i will say too like just looking at this whole like crop of movies this this whole five because we normally like to try and talk about the best a- actress category at least and like it just like was nowhere to be found in in this list i was i was like trying and i couldn't do it i was like it was a little disappointing uh yeah um, I mean, because you had what best actress in the leading role was Reese for Walk the Line, and then Rachel Vise, who I don't know how well known she was before this, one for The Constant Gardener, a movie. Oh, that's supporting. Oh, that's what I was talking about. That's a movie I've yeah. never seen. Yeah, me either. Constant Gardener. It always, it always reminds me of the English Patient, the 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 poster, so I never watch it. <laughs> <laughs> um. So it looks like here, Oscar-wise, this movie, five nominations, no wins, which I can't say I'm surprised about. I don't know what. It yeah, no, for. it it makes sense that it didn't get any wins. Like it's a well done movie, but I don't think I would have given it anything in any of the categories it was nominated in. Um, the one the one I think we were going to highlight here was just the best director, which ended up going to Ang Lee for Brokeback Mountain, and then. We have Bennett Miller for Capote, Paul Haggis for Crash, uh, George Clooney for Good Night and Good Luck, and then Steven Spielberg for this film. And like, I feel like you just got to give it up to Ang Lee wow. in this sense. I don't. I think that's the first time ever that the five directors were the five movies nominated for best. Movie. That might be. That's a uh, wow. That's, that's interesting. Cool. That's really interesting. Wow. Uh. Yeah, it, it's cool. It's really cool an Angley one because how they like have how they were sitting is like broke up out was like front and center, and he had to walk by Jalen Hall and his plus one, and then uh, Heath Ledger who was like with Michelle Williams at the time were sitting together, and it was just like nice watching Angley all happy. <laughs> it seems like uh, from what I've heard, like on the set too, Angley like had a really close relationship with the actors, and honestly, when you watch the movie, it just it it shine it shows through so. I feel like this is a good choice, even though Spielberg does do a hell of a job directing this movie at times. <laughs> I think I think Clooney did a really, really good job with the next yeah. movie. We're uh, that's about. a great segue here to our number two pick, Good Night and Good Luck. Uh, as you mentioned before, directed by George Clooney. Um, it's a biopic about Edward R. Murrow and his, I would say, showdown with Joseph McCarthy uh, the quote-unquote junior senator from Wisconsin. Uh, David Strathairn is, is great as Edward R. Murrow. You have just a, a really good 
ensemble cast uh, that makes sense together, unlike Crash. Um, Straith Aaron has some like truly epic monologues too, as Edward R. Murrow. Um, and then I thought it was really smart to of them to have Joseph McCarthy just be used in archival footage as opposed to um, having like an actor cast as him. I thought it added like a level of authenticity that really worked in the movie. Um, what did you think of this film, Wolf? Looking back on it after I watched this one night and I like at night, I was planning on watching this in the morning, but instead I just like crushed it at night and mm-hmm. I really, really liked it. Um, it kind of like thinking about it the last few days since I've watched it, it kind of yeah. plays like a dad movie. You know, it's a bunch of like guys in suits, like, oh, back in the days when like you went to work dressed nice in suits. And then um, it's just a bunch of like, <laughs> like likable white actors in this movie between Clooney and Robert Downey Jr., David Strathairn for sure. Um, oh, oh, who was uh, who was like the head of the Fra- company? He yeah, famous. Jeff Daniels. Jeff you Daniels? have Frank Langella is in it too. Yes, Frank Langella, the first owner of the brand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I know him from. You also have um, Ray Wise uh, from Twin Peaks as uh, Don Hollenbeck. Yeah. And, you know, and also, it's also a dad movie to me because, like, like, I was watching the Joseph McCarthy part, and I was like, I don't recognize that actor. So I went to, like, uh, Slutterbox, and I'm like, oh, there's no one billed. And then I was looking at it, and I was like, you know, that might just be Joseph McCarthy. And I was like, if I was watching that with my dad, he would have told me one second into it. like, oh, Your dad would have been, like, the Leo meme from from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where he's like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the... Also, too, like the the uh, Edward R. Murrow in this movie is like the perfect avatar for dads in a movie, where like it's just like this group of sort of like ragtag journalists, or not ragtag, but like kind of goofy eccentric journalists, and then Edward R. Murrow is just like the anchor, of, like let's get this together. We gotta put <laughs> put together a good news show. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh I would be remiss not to mention Tate Donovan in the movie. This was he's the dad. He's he's Misha Barton's dad on the. <laughs> remiss not to mention my guy Tate, who who goes to jail early on in the show for uh, for lying about socks. But uh, it also felt like a dad movie to me because, uh, or like a grandpa movie to me because your <laughs> grandfather could tell you how he too was anti-communist or how he was oh he was all for like he was. It's a multi-generational dad movie for sure. <laughs> yeah no this is definitely a dad movie but i i think it's a good a good version of a dad movie for sure oh uh, this was an easy four out of five for me uh i think both of us love movies like this where you know even though it's based on a true story which i think you know munich and capote were but in like a different way well capote kind of does the same thing here where it's like it's focused on like a moment in history rather than like here's the whole like freaking thing like munich you could tell was over multiple years even capote was over multiple years but i love how you know uh good night and good luck was like it felt i don't know i, I can't give you the exact amount of days but it definitely wasn't over yeah like, anymore yeah like months. there's just the stuff at the beginning and end where he's like talking at like the gala that's like a little bit in the future but then like the actual like plot events of this yeah they seem like they take place over like two or three months maybe which is really smart i like it a lot uh, yeah, and I also love Robert Downey Jr. You know, he was a very 
good actor between this and I imagine we'll yes, discuss yes. Zodiac <laughs> when we get there. Uh, and, you know, like it's easy to forget for someone our age even, you know, because this movie came out when we were like nine or ten. No, like eight. Eight or nine. And like Zodiac came out like a year later, year or two later. And it's like we know Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man and like Sherlock Holmes, but it's like easy to forget that he made like these really good like movies that required him to like really play a part as opposed to like yeah it makes me like robert downey jr more in like retrospect knowing that he could do roles like this before he just kind of decided to be him in movies all the time which like he kind of is still just him in this movie but there's a little bit more range i like his relationship with patricia clarkson in the movie yes i i really like their like little subplot and I love how I love how when they're told one of them has to quit, like it was very simply like, "Yeah, I'm a senior around the office," and like Patricia Clarkson, like obviously yeah. it's going to be the one yeah. who gets to keep the job. I love. I thought that was really cool because this is another movie where like women, you know, they were nothing more than like mm-hmm. the assistants because like that's just like how it was at the time, much like Munich and uh, a lot of movies made about that time. Guys, wait, wait, one one quick thing I want to mention about the two women who played the assistants. Alex yeah. Borstein, voice of Lois from Family Guy, among and she's she's in the really good uh isn't she the mm-hmm. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Yeah, or, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Is that what she's in? And then the other woman who I don't know her name, but I'm pretty sure she plays like a teacher in that's so raven <laughs> and I couldn't get over it. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna look up here and, and see if I can if I can find her in here. Uh yeah, no, they have like they just have like a really good cast in this. Like I, I and and everybody fits their roles, like even though Alex Borstein is, is Lois, like she's makes sense for the role. You know, like uh, uh it's just oh, yeah. a really well done movie. I, I'm glad that this got nominated. I'm glad I was glad to rewatch it too. Yeah, I'm I'm glad I liked it. I definitely was like excited about how short it was, but then I was like you know, I kind of picture an Oscar movie kind of being like a little like, you know, like a blown up over the top movie in a lot of ways. And this was just like a tight 90, very strong direction from George Clooney. Like he very much knew like what he wanted and how to get it. And he got it. And it was really funny when he won Best Supporting Actor. He like went up there and was basically like, I guess I'm not winning <laughs> the other awards. I, uh, I like that you mentioned the runtime of this too, because this and, and Munich are definitely movies that are supposed to like teach you something, but this does it in like an hour less, you know, and I feel like I learned just as much. So that's yeah. oh, big props to this movie. Yeah. Over an hour less. Yeah, at exactly. Least 70 minutes less. Uh, I also just think, you know, us being the Americans, we're able to, like, connect to this a little mm-hmm. more than you. Yeah, that's true. It's a little bit easier to, like, think of the place and the time and, and understand, like, what's happening a little bit more because you learn about this in school, or at least we did. Yep. I learned, I remember when I one film class I took, we talked about, like, the Hollywood blacklist that kind of came from this whole, like, communist era and, like, Elliot Kazan, and it was just interesting to, like, learn about, but, uh, you know, I'm 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 really happy we got to watch this movie. This is not a movie like I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about this until I became like hyper focused on trying to watch like Oscar movies. Yeah, like, it's kind of an underrated business. movie, but it's a good one. Oh, for sure, definitely good. Clooney, I definitely want to explore. More yeah, movies he's a solid time. director, I would say. Um, sadly, he didn't win for best director, and that was the case for 
all of the categories this this film is nominated in six nominations zero wins yep um one that i wanted to highlight here uh was best cinematography uh um robert elswit the dp of this movie uh was nominated uh he lost to dion Beebe uh for memoirs of a geisha which is not a movie i have seen uh and then the other nominees were wally fister christopher nolan's dp on batman begins rodrigo prieto for brokeback mountain and then you also have uh chivo emmanuel lubeski uh for the new world who would eventually become uh the dp of like gravity and uh the revenant and and all sorts of uh alejandro and Uritu movies later on but did you like the black and white cinematography in this? That's mainly what I wanted to talk about. I think it took a minute for me to get like into it and used to it. But then once I was probably five minutes into it, like probably right after the scene where uh, Robert Hunt Jr. and Patricia Clarkson talk about like how like, oh, like, you know, he's on the payroll or blah, blah, blah. And right after that happened, I was like, yeah. oh, this is great. This adds like, I think this is it, really when, nice. When you get time to the scenes where Murrow is like, really speechifying i think it works really well because it does make you feel like you're watching this on a black and white tv like as it was happening so i think it's a smart move to kind of put you in the uh in the shoes of of like a viewer i'm uh i'm looking at some pictures from memoirs of gesha these are this looks like a really pretty movie. i'm pretty okay with this <laughs> well uh We'll we'll leave it at that then. We'll we'll give Dion his props. I just felt like it was good to highlight the the black and white cinematography. It was. Oh yeah, it was a it was a choice. Yeah, but I think agreed. It was a good agreed choice. for sure. Um, from there, we are moving on to our number one movie from this year, and it is *Brokeback Mountain*, starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger, about just two. Two cowboys just looking for love, and they just can't seem to find it. Life won't allow it. Um, this was a really well-done drama. The cast is, is really good. Um, so many good people just, like, pop up uh, everywhere in this movie. It, but there's really, like, fantastic chemistry between the two leads, especially. So it kind of keeps the movie centered with them. And then you see all these other people pop up. You're like, oh, shit. Uh, I think the direction is really like um, is really subdued in a good way. It doesn't like distract from all the, all the performances. Um, And like, it's really uh, interesting to see like how the characters lives like change and as their like kind of relationship continues and how that changes as they grow older uh, until eventually like the final scene, which is just so like, melancholy uh, it like made me emotional i was like oh i, I was kind of mm-hmm. fucked up for the rest of the day i was like oh geez <laughs> <laughs> i uh i think the one the, the thing i really took away from the movie was just like the difference in how like ledger lived his life versus gyllenhaal where like gyllenhaal kind of like wore it on his sleeve and that's like what ultimately got him killed but like at least he like at least he like really tried to live mm-hmm. his life to the fullest, and then you have Ledger where he like tries to hide it, like tries to make this thing with Michelle Williams work for the like English kids, and like hide it who he is. He doesn't want to like, you know, have his life affected by it, and then like he just lives such like a sad, miserable life. 
And I love, I love the scene where it's like, it almost felt like Gyllenhaal versus Ledger when they're in front of Brokeback Mountain and they're having the whole thing like, November, what happened to August? Like that scene, that scene is like, it's two guys who are like genuinely two of like the best actors of their generation. And it's a shame we didn't get more Heath Ledger. And it's a shame Jake Gyllenhaal had to like ruin (laughs) Zodiac. And you you just really see like two guys like at the like you know I don't know if it's the peak of their craft but it's like it almost feels like it's the beginning mm-hmm. of where they both. It's belong. certainly not like the showiest of of performances. I mean, there's definitely uh, like showy scenes, but like yeah, they're they're just yeah inhabiting the characters so well that it's it does sort of feel like it's the peak of their craft in in a sort of way. I guess I'll I'll go all the way there, uh, like. Because they they're just embodying the characters. There's not like any um, pretense or like them needing to like have like a star scene. So like even like like you're saying like when they're within like the scene where it's like wow, well what happened like November like that scene it could have been really played up, but it's just like super well done. It feels right for the characters, um, and like Jake Gyllenhaal yeah. is so good in that scene. It's just like, I, I just can't quit you. Yes. <laughs> so good. Uh, that's, and like when they're like nose to nose and they're talking about how like Jake Gyllenhaal has gone to like Mexico. And I don't know his exact line, but basically he says something along the lines of like, yeah, what does that say about me? Can you say it? And it's just, it's just yeah. like, it's like, I think it takes two actors to like really understand the roles they're playing to make a scene like that work because like Ledger, like they both Ledger and Joan both understood their characters so well. And like, like they embodied them so, to such perfection that like that scene was like, this is exactly how I thought these two would have this conversation. Exactly. Like and it's you don't even, you, you, you don't, you like just see them as Ennis and Jack, uh, like at a certain point in the movie. Yes. And it really helps you like get caught up in it. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that line you're talking about too, where it's like, I, I, I can't go on too high out to two fucks a year like you can or something like that. It's so, it's so good. <laughs> that like that like this. The one thing I love about this movie is like lines like that. You like in in another movie with another director, another actor, another script could have come as like very unintentionally funny, because like that's like a funny mm-hmm. line out of context. But, like, that movie did such a good job of, like, never yeah. doing that because it really understood the, like, seriousness and, like, the reality of the story. Yeah, exactly. Time. Like, it just keeps it grounded in, like, the two of them. And that makes this movie so much better for it. And, like, uh, there's so many there's so many ways where, like, you see things come up where the movie definitely could have, like, strayed, like, uh, if it was in worse hands. Like, uh, you know, like there's so many other good actors that pop up, you know, like I feel like somebody would have tried to like shoehorn in more like Anne Hathaway or like more Michelle Williams or more Anna Faris and David Harbour or more Linda Cardellini. You know what I mean? But it doesn't like it's it knows that it's just about these two guys and it's so much better for just like sticking with the two of them. I very much enjoyed when Linda Cardellini showed up. I was like, is that Velma? Hot Velma. Velma (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, 
one one quick story. I, I don't know if you read any of the trivia on this movie, but apparently Ang Lee had never seen a Princess Diaries movie, <laughs> and Anne Hathaway read for the part in like full Princess Diaries two makeup because like they were both like on the same like Universal lot. And uh, basically, so Ainley had never seen Princess Diaries, so basically they were like, hey, like, when this girl comes in, she's going to apologize for the way she's dressed. Like, just don't worry about it. And uh, she got the part. She was great. I, I think this You know, it almost fits her aesthetic before. for the character. She's like a, a rodeo queen or something in this movie. Like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe being all dolled up helped her. I, I uh... A young Anne Hathaway, which is kind of cool. Like, I feel like anytime I see Anne Hathaway now, I have like a whole like thought in my head of what the movie and what her performance is going to be like. And that was just like such a the raw scene, especially where she's on the phone with, with Jack and she's or no, with with Ennis and she's telling Jack that him that Jack died. Yep, it's such a good scene. She's really good in it. Like, it's just God, it's so well done. Everybody's so damn good in this movie. <laughs> I uh. I think Mich- Michelle Williams had a much deserved Oscar nomination. The 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 her, you know it's really funny, it's really funny that she's nominated with Amy Adams because they're two women yeah. that deserve an Oscar so much, and neither of them have one. And uh, this really could have been a Michelle Williams Oscar. Apparently, I read some more trivia where to like help understand her role, she like made Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger make out in front of her just so she could like because like she had, mm-hmm. she was dating Heath Ledger mm-hmm. at the time. Like they have a kid together, so. Uh, that's like that's just, honestly like I don't know Michelle Williams obviously but yeah. like, that's just kind of how I picture her that, that's like I just picture like a, this like bossy <laughs> small this was girl. the beginning of, of Michelle Williams just like taking roles where every time she's in a movie now she just pops up and is like going to make me cry with like an emotional scene <laughs> yeah. oh, my God. oh no now I'm going to rewatch the scene yeah. from Manchester by the exactly you're like, yeah. I'm like oh god Great. oh jeez all in all, a lot of beautiful women in this movie, and you know, and you know what? Never the relationship between the two men is even more beautiful. <laughs> oh, it was, what's what's really funny is some of the like Google searches for this movie is uh, it's like what's the kissing between the two men? It's really? like yes, it's yes, like, it was. <laughs> what? What did you think? Yeah. What did you think <laughs> exactly. they were doing? They didn't just like. They didn't like CG in somebody like a like Heath Ledger's head over a woman or something here. Like they're comfortable. <laughs> they, they're like social network yeah, exactly onto a body. <laughs> this uh this movie very notably did not win Best Picture. I did get three wins um, on eight nominations. Um, one one category that I wanted to highlight where it did not win. Best actor in a supporting role. George Clooney ended up winning for Syriana, as you mentioned, where he made the comment about not, <laughs> not uh, probably not winning Best Director later on. Um, Matt Dillon, Dillon, bleh, Matt Dillon uh, was nominated for Crash. Paul Giamatti for Cinderella Man. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal for this movie, and William Hurt for History of Violence. And man, I just I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal should have definitely won for this. I think if you were to hand out the Oscars, you know, today, you would give it to Jake Gyllenhaal because I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about the other yeah. four movies 
ever. I've 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 never heard of a history of violence. Crash isn't good. I've heard of Cinderella Man. Couldn't give you the plot, but good for our guy. From yeah, Sideways true. The give some... Oh, is that re? Is that yeah? Is that yeah, he, he plays a boxer in that movie. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, Renee, <laughs> I'm gonna watch this movie yeah. now. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> it's just like that. We've talked to you into Cinderella Man. <laughs> Dude, all you gotta do is put like mid 2000s freaking Renee Zellweger in a movie and Russell Crowe. I'm in. Like I'm in. That's, awesome. <laughs> That's true. Two people who have received this was uh, love this was top. like towards the like end of the the Academy's love affair with Russell Crowe too. I'm shocked he didn't get any kind of nomination here. This has an 8.0 on IMDb. That's like you're gonna very have to good. you're gonna have to fill it in, man. Oh my god, two and a half <laughs> hours. Oh Lord, maybe not. Oh my god. <laughs> you could you could watch uh you could watch um. Good night and good luck. One and a half times, instead. Like, like I've gotten a lot better about really long movies through this pod, and you know, through like wanting to watch like the rewatchables, and you know, just through wanting to see things. But like, oh my god, it's a Ron Howard movie too. It's just just a beautiful mind. Part There's two, plenty of Lord. like, uh, and the Academy is no stranger to this. There's plenty of just like long movies just for the sake of being long that get nominations. You know. <laughs> That's I I can understand it. <laughs> you know, I'm happy that we were able to give Brokeback Mountain the much deserved yes. Best Picture Oscar. Best Picture Oscar. It won adapted screenplay, so like it was checking the box. It took adapted screenplay, took director. Like, come on, like, okay, picture. Here we come. It's you know? so disappointing, especially because Crash won. But it's just so disappointing. This is such a better movie. <laughs> Oh, it's a great movie, and I, I definitely, that's just a movie I'll revisit someday. The other four, I probably will watch Good Night mm-hmm. and Good Luck again someday, but other than that, like, I just feel like Brokeback Mountain is a movie I could watch, like, one Definitely, and definitely. And, people, it's freaking free on the Peacock. It's free. You don't have to pay anything for the Peacock. It's just out there. Everybody go watch this movie. I, uh, I bought it on DVD from a Goodwill a while back. And I wasn't able to watch it because uh, it was a different region. I've never, ha- I've never God had that happen to me. But that's got to be the most disappointing thing ever. It's like, damn it, <laughs> it's the Canadian. I'm like, I'm questionable on Goodwill movies now because that's happened to me. And then, like a few months ago, I was watching uh, 300, and the DVD just like cut out on me 50 uh, minutes in, which 300 kind of rocks. 300 so. probably. <laughs> it's not a good movie. Probably the best Zack Snyder movie though, 300. Uh, as much as I love <laughs> Sucker Punch, Sucker Punch, yeah, 300, 300 Sucker, Sucker Punch, Punch is, is definitely not up there for me. I have, have it's Sucker not good. Punch? Oh my god, it's like, and this is what, like, like, I don't even like it's like, it's like, that's like one of those movies where like you see it and you're like, was that like, <laughs> a, was that like a dream? Did I have a bad dream? Was I? Did I really go to bed thinking about Oscar? You know, I, I honestly think that that might have been what Zack Snyder was thinking when he wrote it, too, because the whole thing is like hallucinations and dreams. And then think about the actual plot, and you're like, yeah. oh, wait, none of this actually makes sense when I like put it together in my own head. Huh. I think this is a trash movie. Definitely. It is really bad, and Emily Browning is like 
given the most like the weirdest yeah. role ever. But uh, uh, amazing performance from Vanessa Hudgens, who only does good things post Disney. I will die <laughs> on the Spring Breakers Hill. I, I will. I will die on that. You know, I definitely take Spring Breakers. Uh, I take. I take her having to be in Sucker Punch if it means we get her in Spring Breakers at least. That movie is so good. And I understand why people hate it. <laughs> the movie rocks. Wolf, did you have any other movies from 2005 that you wanted to maybe highlight here? So, it turns out my 05 that I've seen are not a lot, like not like a ton Same. of movies that I really like. Uh, so the ones I'm highlighting is Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire came out, which is one of my favorite Harry Potter books, and I, it's a movie I've seen too many times, because like, ABC <laughs> Family loves having it on. But uh, that's a good movie. And the person that plays uh, Fleur Delacour is actually like in other, is in like actually in other movies, which is uh, interesting. Uh, and then Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe came out, which <laughs> is not a very good movie. But again, another, another one I've seen a few times that uh, it's very, very, very watchable. I think if only for Liam Neeson's performance what, as What about James McAvoy as Mr. Tumnus? I hate that I was watching Split, and I was like, "Wait a minute, I know I, James McAvoy. What is he in?" And then I looked it up, and I was like, "Oh, Mr. Yeah, Thomas, good lord!" <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Saw Two. Uh, I, I actually I think Saw Two is pretty good. I, I think the first half of Saw Two is not good, but the second half of Saw Two is super super good. And then it's good if you've seen the first one. If you haven't seen the first saw you're like what what the hell's going on uh and then hoodwinked which is an animated movie that's like a retelling of little red riding hood i've seen that movie so many times the movie is Hood- so freaking good hoodwinked <laughs> is a banger that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is so such a weird movie but it's so good and then i was gonna highlight madagascar but i decided against it and i just watched wedding crashers and that's a pretty good movie pretty funny Wedding Crashers. Yeah, Wedding Crashers is good. I like Wedding Crashers too. It has a strangely like, it gets dramatic all of a sudden in the end, and you're like, "Whoa, what the hell?" But like, all the times where you're just mm-hmm. having fun in the movie are really great. Has someone ever been more beautiful in a film than Rachel McAdams? I don't think Crashers? so. I don't think it's possible. <laughs> I. Uh, what about you? What are you? What are your? I uh, started off my list here with. Uh, in a similar like rom com vein, I chose Hitch with uh, Will Smith and Eva Mendez and, and Kevin James. I haven't seen this movie in a long time, but I used to watch this movie all the time as like a kid growing up. I like this movie; it's fun. It's a fun little rom com. Um, and then I don't. I think this movie got its official release in two thousand six, but two thousand five kind of seemed like a little bit of a down year for movies. So I felt like highlighting Ryan Johnson's Brick instead, um, which is a really good movie. Uh, they all talk in this really like hard-boiled 1920s slang. I don't understand a damn word of it, but it's directed so well that I still understand what's going on in the movie. Um, and this movie is just awesome if you like like noir movies. Um, Batman Begins is a good, good movie, movie that came out this year. Probably like the second best of the Dark Knight trilogy, um, though maybe the least talked about, but still a quality film. Um, 
And then we don't accept Dark Knight Rises hate on this <laughs> pod. Tom Hardy should have won. <laughs> we're we're Bane truthers here. Wait, wait, wait. Rank these three performances. Yeah, definitely performances. Katie Holmes in Batman Begins, Maggie Gyllenhaal in Dark Knight, and Hathaway in Dark Knight Rises. Oh, man. I mean, I think you just got to go Maggie and Katie. Yeah, easy. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Did you hear that Katie Holmes, like, there's a conflicting stories where Nolan didn't want her back, and... Somewhere she was busy, and others where Tom Cruise wouldn't. I've heard the Tom Cruise thing where Tom Cruise is like, she's not allowed to be in the Dark Knight, (laughs) which is just a bad beat for Katie Holmes. (laughs) Yeah, that's, you know, she could have used the money and the fame. You wonder who would have been a funny Joker? Tom Cruise. Oh, man. I do not want to see that. (laughs) (laughs) He's damaged. (laughs) Um,. The other movie I was going to highlight here is a movie that I normally tell people is my favorite movie if a, if a gun is put to my head, uh, which is The Squid and the Whale um, from Noah Baumbach, starring Jeff Daniels, Laura Linney, Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, such a good cast. Everybody's great in this movie. Noah Baumbach's a great director. He's a great writer. And the Academy really only acknowledges him for his writing because he's too subtle of a director. But He's a better, he does a way better job of directing this movie than Paul Haggis. So uh, maybe sub him in for I, uh, Paul. Yep. I, uh, I like Squid and the Whale. I definitely don't relate to Squid and the Whale the same way you do. And uh, good year for Jeff Daniels. Yeah. Between this and good night, good luck. Having a very John C. Riley esque year. It's <laughs> just popping up in a bunch of good movies. That's true. Yeah, Squid in the Will's good. I definitely. There's like. That movie when I watched it. It's also another quick watch. Yes, super short. And like, it's it's a very mean movie. If you're like not in, uh, in if you're not mentally prepared for people like being really mean to each other for an hour and a half, it's maybe not the easiest watch. But I think it's really funny too, uh, which I think people kind of miss some of the humor sometimes. Um, Moving on to another uh, dramedy movie, uh, Woody Allen's Match Point, which, um, you know, I can't say this enough. Woody Allen's actions as a man, not good. Do not like that. I do like Woody Allen's movies, and I like this movie. Um, so I wanted to highlight it. HBO or something, but uh, I've yet to pull the trigger. But I'm definitely. I apologize. I did uh, not catch a word of that. (laughs) I think my Wi-Fi. Okay, now I can hear you. I pop back on Wi-Fi. We're perfect now. Go ahead. That is okay. Uh, that is okay. And the one last comment I'm hoping to make is, uh, you mentioned this with Brick where, like, the release date was kind of weird. So, uh, Crash came out in, like, 04. Like, it came out at a Toronto Film Festival in 04, but then, like, came out in America, I guess, in 05 in September, yeah. which isn't uh, really, the, like, when you went an Oscar, so which is interesting. I think and then you have well, Munich everything you said about Crash, I think, Christmas. goes like, to show that, like, done. the people at the studio 
or whoever bought this movie saw it and were like, eh, this isn't really good, but it fits with our Oscar slate. So we're just gonna kind of release it when you're when you're gearing up for the Oscar movies. And then um, we're just gonna kind of gear up for the Oscar movies with this. And then we'll give you our really good stuff later on. And then, oh shoot. I was wrong. It came out May 6th. Oh, wait, 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 wait. It premiered at the Toronto Film Festival September 10th, 04. Released Oof. in theaters May 6th, 05. Bad, bad job by the Positive critics. reviews from the critics. Praise the directing screenplay and their performances. Wow. Made a lot of money. I don't think, I don't think the studio expected this kind of reaction. I think they probably saw it with like, and a half million dollar budget. And it got really good reception. And we're like, well, shit, we better campaign it. Wow. Then. Uh, what would your what would your best picture nominees be this year? Wow! <laughs> I can't even get over this. Uh, I would have nominated Brokeback Mountain, Good Night, and Good Luck, Munich. Uh, it's kind of where like my obvious list ends. Probably Batman <laughs> Begins. It's kind of fun. Um, I've never seen Walk the Line, admittedly. So, like, I'd love to like be able to tell you yes or no, but I've never seen it. I'm not gonna pretend to have. I, 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 I spend all this time like at home doing my job, where I can like watch movies all day and work and be productive <laughs> in both. And yet, I watched five fucking movies on Friday, and Walk the Line never even once okay. crossed my brain to watch, which is so freaking typical. I am. Uh... Uh... I think and I'm staying I'm, at five too. Let's uh, like, let's just get Crash and Capote out there, out of there. Shocking list of five. Um, uh, and we'll just toss in the Squid and the Whale and Match Point instead. We'll just sub those two in for me. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, like those are just two more interesting movies. And uh, you know, as far as Walk the Line goes, I do remember be, liking that fun. movie, but I feel like it very closely follows like the conventions of music biopics. So it's probably a lot more stale now, you know, like if we go back and watch it. Mm. Any more thoughts on the 2006 Oscars? Um, on the show what is the movie that you are going to be giving me for next week's show wolf do you have a I, movie I, so uh that you're like a little bit behind the me. scenes here everybody i had three that i was like those were my number number one choices uh which was broadcast news working girl and chinatown because we're trying to keep it to Best Actress nominees here for our movie club, for our, our movie swap. I uh, I missed a lot of what you said a while back, so I'm giving you a movie. Okay, all right. So I have four. It's okay. Torn between, and you might be upset with the one I decided to give you, but I was told today by this woman that I talk to at work all the time about movies that this movie is like very good and her performance is like super like interesting. 
so I'm highlighting an actress here that I really like, and she's a four-time Oscar nominee, two-time winner. We're, we're going to be watching, and this is a movie she did not win for. It came right after she won for Silence. Oh, of the interesting. I don't we're think I've ever now heard of this movie with before. With Jodie Foster. No. 1994, I'm pretty sure she was, like, raised in the woods, and they, like, find her. And then it's, like, all about, like, her trying to, like, I guess, acclimated to, like, the world around her, the way I understand it. And it has Liam, Liam Neeson, awesome. like, post- okay. I'm pumped to watch it. I think, um, I think in this case, then I'm going to give you Chinatown. Um, it, uh, I don't think is. I own is that it though, free? so it'll be free for me. <laughs> uh, Chinatown is oh, from 1974, directed by uh, Roman Polanski, starring Jack Nicholson. Uh, Faye Dunaway was nominated for Best Leading Actress. Uh, in this movie, she did not win, but she is very good in this movie. It's sort of a film fatale. This is a just an awesome noir film. Um, it's one of my favorite movies too, so I'm super excited to. Oh wait, this might be on Hulu. Damn, it's not. Letterbox does this new BS where uh, the way the way I find out what's on what's free is I go to Letterbox and they do this new thing where they will mention it's on Hulu. Damn but it's it. actually only on Hulu if you have stars. That just got me. I don't have stars. That was literally what I was looking I at. As I, I opened it up on Letterboxd, and I was like, <gasps> and then and then it was not to be. Uh, I'm excited. I've always wanted to see China. Yes, absolutely. Uh, do you want to know the other movies that I was torn between? You're going to love this. I thought about that I thought about too. giving you Leaving Las that Vegas, one. so we could talk about Elizabeth Shue. But like, but like, I, I was going to say that one like, I didn't there? choose because Besides it had the, the very real danger of just becoming a Nicolas Cage podcast. Uh, and I didn't want to do that to Elizabeth Shue. I had that one too. Okay. Uh, and then I, I like that Phil movie. Miner's daughter, which is space. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, I've never heard of and that one before. The, the client with Susan Sarandon. Uh, it's a Grisham book, which is why I didn't pick it because <laughs> I didn't want to. Maybe we'll get to that one later on then too. That could be a movie, movie. club. <laughs> the director of the movie I gave you, Nell. Let me give you a few of a uh, few of his uh, credits. <laughs> he directed uh, "The World Is Not Enough," a 007 movie with Pierce Brosnan. Uh, <laughs> the Chronicles of Narnia: The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And he directed Coal Miner's Daughter. I, um, I so, know he's kind of famous he, for these, these documentaries that they call the 7-Up series. And, and what they do with those documentaries is they started... I see that. Um, I can't remember at what age they... I, it might have been at the age of seven. They started uh, basically like following around these kids and they do a new movie every seven years. So like they just kind of revisit them and see like what their life is like and things like that. So he's definitely an interesting guy. Definitely an interesting guy. That's very cool. Well, I'm excited for next week. We'll have to gather some good questions together to have a good conversation about uh, two (laughs) actresses that I love. Faye Dunaway is the background of my computer after she won 
her Oscar for network and she's just like lounging like on a chair and her like Oscar's just like chilling and there's like a newspaper on the ground that says like I forget what it, let me let me, uh, let me let me I have the background. Oh, I forgot I couldn't fit it in. But it's just like a newspaper on the ground like talk about how like there's an Oscar. It sounds like, like it has very like CV Waller Bridge like, vibes yeah, after winning the Emmy there. where there's just a picture of her like with a martini in one hand and a cigarette in the other and then there's just like an Emmy and she's just smoking. I love that photo. Oh yeah, this you you I I will, I'll send it to you. But this is like this is a hundred percent like that version, but from like nineteen. Perfect. It's perfect. Then I don't know seventy seven. <laughs> whenever network. Came well, out. I'm excited for next week for Nell and Chinatown, but that unfortunately is all for us this week. Um, thanks so much for joining us for the 2006 Oscar ceremony. Um, thank you so much for watching. See you next week, everybody.